You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Repack for Acme Packing Company. I'm Justice Mosqueda. I'm joined here by Evan Tex Western. Say what's to the people, Tex. Oh, what's up, everybody? Late night, dumb game, about what we expected. Yeah, I, I kind of, when I started digging into it, there's plenty to talk about this game, but on the surface level, it's really easy. I mean, the, what, the Bills were 10.5-point favorites? They won by 10 points. They're a better football team in almost every way. Um, I don't think yeah. any of this is surprising. The The box score, I think, if you just look at it and it says, you know, 30 passing attempts from Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I, I don't think that meshes up with, like, the game flow, right? I mean, at the end of the game, they got – a good amount of opportunities to kind of go like down the field and stuff. Um, but I mean, what was it? I like the half he had like 76 yards or something like that. Yeah. I think 11 pass attempts at halftime yeah. compared to 20 ish running attempts, something like that. And, and the running game was great. Like is, is it crazy to say that the Packers running game was really, really good today? Um, how much of that granted was, you know, the bills, kind of in in the game script and being up 24-7 and just saying, okay, here, take the the yards on the ground and run the clock and do what you're going to do. But, I mean, the Packers racked up over 200 yards on the ground against a run defense that was averaging 76 yards a game. So that part of the game looked great. But um, and, and credit to the coaching staff for actually kind of sticking with it when it was working, even though the Packers were down two, three scores, you know, in the second quarter. But yeah, it, it the, the game got away from him real early, and at some point, um, you got to try to open up the passing game when when you're down three scores, and it just didn't really click. I think the biggest thing is just like, okay, so the score spirals out of hand very early on, right? Um, why did that happen? Why did that happen? <laughs> because the Packers got punched in the mouth. Right. So first drive, the Bills had the punt. Second drive, uh, Green Bay uh, had a turnover on downs. Third drive, the Bills score a touchdown. Now they're up 7-0. Green Bay Packers immediately try to win that drive in a single play with the flea flicker. Right. And it's it's so predictable that they do this. It's every time they go down or a shot happens and they end up getting tied, it's like they need that big momentum swing deep mm-hmm. shot they're not good enough to complete those this year. And then it just turns into a three and out. And now the bills score again, you're down 14 and it's like, you can't stop them for anything. They score on five straight drives, right? That's where it feels like they lose a grip on, on these games. And it's like, if, if you didn't have that and you would have been able to get a first down on that drive, maybe you can run this script where you're just running the ball, right? Like this is what this offense is supposed to do. Right, this yeah. ball—you're supposed to keep the ball, dink it, dunk your way downfield when there's a shot play, 
Um, it's usually off of play action in a run situation. And, I mean, where's the play action? I don't see any of the play action. They went under center plenty today. You know, the, we, we yep. talked about the thumb and how much that limits Rodgers. He practiced with um, with a uh, with his thumb taped up all week. Um, he didn't have a full participant practice this week like he did last week. He missed Wednesday again, was limited on Thursday and Friday, um, was taped up for the game, which was like, to me, I was like, is this getting worse or better? It seems like it's getting better. So if it's yeah. getting better and he can go under center to hand it off, why can't he go under center to run play action? I know LaFleur and the presser said they didn't like some of the looks, but I mean, you're trying to put guys in conflict. So just because the, the look says, you know, they should be covering deep. Think of it from the Packers perspective. How many of those runs that Buffalo was able to get, it's like, oh, the safety filled too slow, right? Just because it's two high safeties doesn't mean that you can't throw against it because those guys still have run fits in the run game. So yeah. I don't know. I just don't get that aspect of the offense. The The flea flicker was very confusing. And is this a play calling thing, right? Like when when the Packers take a punch defensively, they 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 take a a touchdown or two and they get they get down. Is is this a Lafleur thing where he tries to get it all back in one go, or you know, is it a Rogers thing where he tries to go hero ball? I don't know that we'll ever know the the answer to who kind of holds the blame for that. I think it's probably a combination of the two. But you, you felt with that flea flicker like it was a panic move. It was a mm-hmm. panic a panicky play call. And if they had just gone to what they went to on the next drive, which was just run the ball down the Bills' throats, I mean, the next drive is 12 plays, 80 yards, six minutes, and a touchdown. If you just go to that right away when you're only down 7 nothing, you know, you, you run, that, run that type of drive and you're tied up and it's a whole different game script, really the whole rest of the way. Instead, you go three and out and the Bills go down and score quick four plays and and go up 14 nothing and it completely you know kind of gets you out of whack even though you go down and and get that drive now you're still chasing points and and trying to you know to hope on that double up around halftime with with the the first drive of the third quarter and instead of just kind of keeping the game close and um and staying in a good position through the first half one other thing about the offense and just kind of play calling. I thought it was interesting. Did you listen to the presser? A little bit. Yeah. Um, LaFleur was talking about run pass balance and it didn't seem like he liked running the ball that much, <laughs> which to me is very weird. Like you're successful doing it. Why, why is that bad? I understand you have a back-to-back MVP playing quarterback, but like, if you need to run the ball to win football games, run the ball to win football games. I didn't get that. And, <laughs> His whole rationalization for it was basically like that fourth and one, they got man coverage and they ran the ball and they weren't able to convert and therefore they need to pass more. So that teams have to respect that all of those, like that's, and this is something he knows. I'm not pretending to be smarter than the damn coach, but like all those guys that you see with like analyst tags or like quality control tags and stuff like that, what they're doing is they're like helping in the game plan process nailing down you know down and distance um and also situational so like coming out like low red zone high red zone short yardage stuff like that they're nailing down on tendencies like that to help in the game plan what you do on first down 
doesn't impact how teams are going to play you on fourth and short <laughs> at all. Yep. So I just I just don't get that at all. I mean, if you want to run the ball on fourth and short and they take it away, yeah, you're going to have to pass there. But I don't think that means you have to change your entire game play. They were they were fine to be running the football that much. I don't who I I'm sure fans like that a whole lot more than watching their offense go three and out. Well, and I made the point on Twitter once or twice during this game that you know the Packers only explosive plays through three quarters came in the run game. Yeah. You know, they had two plays of more than 20 yards through those first three quarters, and both of them were runs. The big 30-some yarder by Jones and, like, a 27-yarder from Dylan. So, like, you weren't getting anything explosive in the passing game anyway at that point. Um, so I'm not I'm not saying that, you know, you're you're more likely to get a um, an explosive play with a run game than, than the pass game, but but it's what's working and it was what's working consistently. So um, yeah. And then you get the, like you said, the, the, the down and distance situations that, you know, completely change how, how teams approach you anyway, it, that, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't really understand what LaFleur is going for there. One last thing on the run game. Um, did we get our answer on if Elton Jacob should be extended or not? <laughs> no, I know Tom struggled a little bit early on. They struggled a lot, especially that first drive. Um, but they were able to run the ball for, let me look at it, 208 yards, 6.7 yards per carry. When Buffalo knew they were going to run the hell out of the football, and Elton Jenkins was on the field. It didn't seem to be a problem. And Elton Jenkins is going to get paid like a Quentin Nelson, which is like you know, $18 million a year or something like that. Yep. You can only afford so many of those contracts. Did we get an answer? Because if we did, I, I'm not really mad about the trade deadlines next week, though. So yeah. I don't know if they would make that move. It's just an interesting thing. Like, what, what are, is it just catch and release? Because I doubt they're going to franchise tag to trade again just because of the high yeah. cap number. So yeah. are you just going to take a compensatory 2024 third-round pick for him? At this point, I mean – before the game, we were saying once once it was announced that Jenkins was sitting and Zach Tom was going to play left guard, the entire APC slack was, okay, pin and pull with Zach Tom all game yep. long because that's what he does best, right? It's his his athletic ability, his ability on the move, um, get get those quick, quick feet running rather than having him drive block up the field. And that's what was working uh, for most of this game. And if, you know, if, if he can put on 20 or 30 pounds of, of bulk in the off season, you know, with a, a NFL strength and conditioning program, that's going to be a really good player in 2023. Yeah. So, and that's somebody that, you know, I would be more than comfortable putting out there at left guard at right tackle, like wherever you want to put him that gives you the best five on the field uh, next fall I'm I'm gonna be very comfortable with him out there. Um it's just yeah, he, he was he was struggling to anchor a little bit early. That led them to to some issues in that first drive or two. Okay, fine. You know, and the guy also found out 90 minutes before game time that he was gonna be playing left guard and, and starting. Yeah. So a, another second straight week of of Tom finding out right before the game that he's gonna to have to start. And oh, by the way, at a different position in this one than last week. So um all things considered, I thought he you know, he handled it, handled it well. Um, again, early struggles, fine. That's that's not terribly surprising uh, given the context of, of what happened. So, 
Um, no, I, I, I was, when we started finding out about the Jenkins thing about, I don't know, it was two and a half hours before game time. I think there was something about mm-hmm. him kind of running off the field with the trainer. You know, I was starting to be like, shit, this is, this is going to be trouble. And then the more we, we got closer to game time, like, all right, if we can get Tom on the move, maybe this is a good thing for the running game instead. And um, the the question is just going to be, what's he going to be able to do in pass protection? And again, run game was great. And, and yeah, Jenkins, eh. I think the comp pick might be the way to go. It really might be because he's been struggling this year. Um, yeah. Worth noting. So one thing I had said in uh, the inactives, when the inactives came out and it was clear that Jenkins wasn't going to play, I was like, maybe Tom isn't going to be the left guard. I know he had gotten snaps before. Um, he'd gotten less, uh, left guard snaps in camp because they were doing this weird rotation with John Runyon Jr., which – at the time, we didn't really understand because we were like, John Runyon Jr. is one of their better offensive linemen, especially when they were down both of their, you know, then starting tackles. Um, I kind of thought Tom would still be used as a guy to spell Bakhtiari. Bakhtiari goes the distance. So now he's gone the distance. This is a road game, um, a cold road game should should be noted, right? Like Buffalo is not Tampa or anything like that. And it's on turf. Um, so maybe positive signs there i mean who knows i feel like we've been burned so much on the bakhtiari stuff that like yeah you can never really know when he's going to be fully healthy but that's at least a positive yeah and i'm trying to think right like bach didn't practice all week right they they gave him a day off this week am i crazy yeah they gave him off on thursday yeah so maybe they did shoot themselves in the foot last week by having to practice three days in a row maybe the Maybe the plan that that Lafleur had at the beginning of the season was the way, was the right decision. I don't know. We'll see. I'm I'm I would expect having seen him go the distance after taking Thursday off. I bet you we see the same practice plan for for Week Nine uh, heading into Detroit. I would assume so. The other thing worth noting here, Elton. I'm sure a lot of you are hearing. You know, Elton was inactive, and you're assuming it's his knee. It's not his knee. It's a foot. It's a foot that popped up on the injury report on Friday, kind of went under the radar because he was, you know, limited and all that stuff. And he's always limited in practice um, because of, you know, the knee usually. Um, So we really don't know what the injury was. LaFleur didn't get like any questions about injuries in the presser, which I thought was kind of crazy because. Yeah. I mean, so Christian Watson goes down. um, Devondre Campbell goes down. uh, Devondre Campbell had what like an ice bag on his knee so i don't know if it's like a deep knee bruise or something it doesn't seem like a ligament they even said right you know he was questionable to return and stuff um watson i believe it was officially ruled as a concussion um he got that pass over the middle you know roger said after the game like it kind of sucks because they had you know four or five plays built just for christian watson against again against this team which when buffalo you know is apparently playing all this man defense i'd have you know, I'd have to take a look at the all 22 to see some myself. Um, LaFleur said that's what they were getting though. Having him be able to beat man defense would have been nice. Um, fourth injury this season, but he's had two hamstring flare ups concussion and, you know, the knee surgery to clean up his previous knee surgeries from North Dakota state. Just a bummer of a rookie year. I mean, we talk about like chemistry and stuff like that. And, He's not even out there. 
right? Yeah. And Rodgers isn't here for the summer. So, like, what? how much time has he actually had to, like, build up this chemistry? He's supposed to be the guy who they're supposed to be drawing up plays for, right? I mean, Rodgers said they put four or five of them into the game. He was a guy who was listed as questionable, right? There's a chance that he was maybe not yeah. even going to play because of the hamstring. So, just a bummer. Yeah, it's a tough go. I mean, at least the other two receivers stepped up, the two rookies. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dobbs with an amazing touchdown catch in the first half. Just a, a tremendous adjustment after everybody, and us included, have been crapping on him for, for weeks about his his hands on contested catches. Yeah. Um, that was a tremendous catch. And then Toure coming through with a, a nice, really nice adjustment on kind of a, a weird extended play. Uh, the Rogers even complimented him for in his presser afterwards. So nice to see him get that and, and get his first touchdown. So shout outs to to Paul Noonan for being on the tour a bandwagon since day one. Um, we were excited for him in the APC slot. <laughs> we were like, Toure, Paul. There were, there were at least like eight straight all caps messages in the game day thread. It was great. So, so yeah, shout, shouts to Paul for, for picking that one, but. I mean, but you had nobody else to go to, right? At that point, you're down to, you know, Toure and Roger and Amari Rogers and Watkins and Dobbs. And, you know, you're down to four receivers and your, your two backup inside linebackers with Devondre being hurt and Quay Walker getting his ass tossed for shoving a practice squad player on yeah. the Bill's sideline. Like just a weird sequence, you know, towards that, you know, that second part of the second quarter. Yeah. Um, with with some of these guys going out and um just just personnel wise just it felt like a very very strange game one thing offensively that i did like to see josiah deguara yeah like he got an uptick i know i know he only caught that one screen but just having him in the game being able to run blocking in the backfield yeah yeah exactly. all that stuff and we've been he, we've been beating that drum for weeks now and it's it's nice to finally see him i i can't wait to see his snap count in the morning to see what he ended up with but there, there has been no excuse for him getting out snapped by tyler davis for the last couple of weeks yeah so that that i think was a probably a big part of of why the run game was going to be was so successful in this game a hundred percent and the math changes when you have an extra guy in the backfield. And I don't mean it from like you have these guys, number of guys in the box, you add another guy into the box because of the angles that that guy can take. You can kind of saw the defense in middle and you can like pick a side to get a plus number on, if that makes sense, instead of just counting the whole box and having it be, you know, a cutback based scheme. Like, when teams get in a single high and you get offenses with a fullback out there, they run ISO and they just run it right down the middle of your throat because they're avoiding the edges, right? So I think DeGuara is the guy, and I almost wrote a damn whole piece about this. I almost wrote a whole piece about this, and then it was it was the day that Rogers said that or that Lafleur. This was on Monday um, that Lafleur said that Rogers was struggling getting under center because of his thumb, and I was like, well, this doesn't apply anymore then but apparently they're back he's back and under center at the very least um yeah i think i think this is the best version of their offense i mean get into the 12 personnel and just run the hell out of the ball they said that they wanted to be an 11 personnel team coming into the game but the injuries obviously impacted that 
I don't think it's bad that they're running the ball. I don't think it's bad that they're playing 20 personnel or 12 personnel. This is what they do the best. Mm -hmm. Just keep doing it. Um, Defensively, we already mentioned the injuries, or I guess one injury, one ejection at inside linebacker. (sighs) It put uh, Isaiah McDuffie into a really tough position of having to be the green dot after playing six total snaps in his NFL (laughs) career on the defensive side. He ended up getting five tackles in the game, three solo tackles. Buffalo um, native, shout out to him getting yeah. his uh, his first extended defensive action in his hometown. So, yeah, good on you, man. I thought, and we were joking about this when the the PFF stuff came up for the Monday night intro or Sunday night intro. Preston Smith was ranked like in the sixties or something like that. Yeah, what the hell? I think Preston Smith's a pretty good football player, and yeah. he really saved them a lot of times because he was able to set the edge and you know chase down some of these plays and stuff. The the only thing that I can think of there is if they like weight run defense significantly lower than pass like pass rush for edge rushers, because he's he's always been a tremendous edge setter in the run. Yeah. And he made a couple of great plays against the run today. Like I don't know why, if you're playing the Packers, you would ever run off left tackle. Like just just run at Rashawn Gary every single time. Yeah. There's no there's no reason to run the other direction. <laughs> Um, there was like a momentary uh, switch, which was uh, the Stephon Dix touchdown, where Russell Douglas ended up playing corner, yeah. and they they brought in uh, Keyshawn Nixon to play the slot, and they had benched Eric Stokes for a little bit, which they did at the end of the game last week. Lafleur didn't really talk about. It. I mean, he basically said like, "We wanted to get into a different look," and it's like, hmm. "All right." I mean, they that- were talking to him on the side. They were talking to Stokes on the sideline. So, like, I think he was getting his ass reamed and they just made a switch and they threw at the corner off of the bench is basically what they did for a touchdown. So, yeah, that was that was weird, too, because that came right after that weird, like the weird fumble that Quay forced out of digs yeah. on that play that, like, there was some scrappiness, weirdness after the play. That, and then it was like uh, end of a quarter too, yeah, or something like took a long time. It was a weird momentum swing. And then it was just yep. like. Yeah, because people didn't even really even catch on to it in real time. It was like after the play, people were like, wait, why was Douglas on the outside? And they're like, oh, yeah, Stokes is on the bench. And it's like, what the hell just happened? What <laughs> what kind of like, – yeah, the weird momentum swings in this game really got them. Um, thought the interior defensive line sucked again. Uh, Jaron I mean, Reed and Dean Lowry. This is what nothing. this team is. Yeah, this is this is the identity of this team is you've got Kenny Clark and a bunch of nobodies in the defensive line. Um, why why you won't play TJ Slayton more as a run stopper? Like he should be he should be one of your early down defensive linemen. Yeah. Bar none. I think it's because... like the first or second play in the game. Buffalo just caved in the yep. with a backup. I mean, there's a backup tackle at right tackle in this game yeah. because Spencer Brown was out. And I was just like. How much longer are we going to do this? You know, I mean, Dean Lowry also is a guy that they could boo for cap space still somehow. Yep. So, I mean, he was the one contract that they basically didn't touch this offseason that they could have touched. So, problem is, I mean, they clearly don't trust Devontae Wyatt to take snaps at this point. Why? So, What's, well, I, I want to no, have, have questions. Who's, uh, I know the, I agree. Up, the defensive line coach, right? So, the defensive line coach came from yeah, Oklahoma. Jer- Jerry Montgomery, yeah. Yeah, he came from Oklahoma and then was like an assistant for one year and then got promoted to defensive line coach. Mm-hmm. Is he any good at his job? Mm, 
we've invested a whole lot mm. on the defensive line over a couple of years, and it's consistently underperformed. I mean, yep. I don't, Not I great. don't know. I don't know if they got to shake that up when they shake up the coaching because I think I don't think the entire <laughs> we're getting into like assuming we're going to fire the defensive coordinator <laughs> already, but I don't think the entire defensive staff is bad. Right? No, like Jerry Gray, I think is, is still. Yeah, Jerry Gray, I think, is still is a very good DB coach. Um, yeah, yeah, you've got you've got some some quality guys on that staff, but that's an area definitely where I think you need to look at some improvement. Yeah. Oh man, just <sighs> Amari is still out there. Keyshawn Nixon oh. is returning kicks still. Um, I mean, oh. we we only saw what two punts in this game for Buffalo, so. Yeah. I, yeah. The the general the general vibe when Amari was out there for that punt after the, the first three and out. Ugh. They uh, had they were working out a bunch of guys apparently in pregame too. Which like, well, like like Toure was out there taking mm-hmm. punts and I, I, I thought for sure we we're gonna see eighty three out there instead of Amari. But uh I mean he caught the ball, he didn't fumble. Good job. I would like to see, whenever the snap counts come out, I would like to see what the splits for Amari and Toure are. My assumption is Toure played more offensive snaps, but I'd like to see that confirmed because they are now at a spot where they've had so many injuries at wide receiver, they might actually have to make, even if it's just promoting a guy off the practice squad or something like that, and they have an open roster spot right now. Who knows? Hopefully Watson's concussion doesn't take up an IR spot, Um, but if they were to move on from a wide receiver and grab another one and they don't want to use an IR spot, I think probably up until this point, I would have said the guy who goes to the practice squad or is subjected to waivers and someone else claims it probably would have been Toure. But now I think it's Not probably North. Amari. Yeah, it's yeah. probably Amari. Toure's shown enough flashes that, like, yeah. keep he's on a rookie deal for four years. Like, even if he's not going to contribute – a whole ton without injury this year. Next year, the only guys that are under contract are the rookies and Amari Rodgers at wide receiver. Like Lazard's going to be a free agent. Watkins is going to be a free agent. Cobb is going to be a free agent. Those things are going to matter. The Packers are already over the cap. They have all these free agents who are yep. who are set to walk. So, and, and everyone, it's not nothing. But Samari Toure now has the longest touchdown of the season for the Packers, unless I am mistaken. But I'm pretty sure that's 37 yarder in the fourth quarter goes down as the longest score of the year for this team so far. The uh, Elsewhere on the special teams, kind of a weird Jack Coco game. Yeah, um, yeah. He had like two high snaps. One of them was on that long kick that ended up not going. Um, uh, lo- low snap on that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, my bad. Um, just the odd game for him. We haven't really seen long snapper. I mean, a little inconsistencies, but we haven't seen like a bad long snapper game in the same way that we saw it last year, which yeah killed us multiple times. Yeah. There was, a I, also... I, Oh yeah. God. No, I, I, I don't know what you do there. I mean, it, give him, give him, give him another week. See if, see if he straightens it out. That's, that's yeah. it is what it is. Um, They had that long punt return that kind of killed me because the two, the uh, two gunners ran into each other. And then that just kind of popped up the play. I don't think that's going to be consistent. I think the special teams overall, it's, I mean, it's the, it's the best unit. And 
By the way, Basatia, looking better and better by the week. Mm-hmm. The Raiders are a terrible football team right now. <laughs> they are no good. And, you know, that's basically Basatia's old team that he took to the playoffs with Devontae Adams now. I mean, that team spent draft picks to get veterans. If I'm not mistaken, Devontae Adams had one catch for three yards today? Something like that? I believe it. Yeah. It was it's... it was bad. It was it was not a good day for, for Raiders fans. It's uh, <laughs> tough going from Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer. Mm. That's a layup. <laughs> That's a layup. That's a layup. Uh Stephon Diggs did all that yapping in the pregame, and Gabe Davis was yapping too in game. Neither yeah. one of those guys did anything to Jair, which is who they were nope. yelling at. Like, congrats, Gabe Dave, or uh, Stephon Diggs. You beat Russell Douglas on a weird momentum play when this first snap at outside cornerback of the game, all that stuff. Yep. Greg Davis, the, the first drive was funny because Greg oh, Davis man. goes, it's a it's a run play. That is actually the, the first play. That's when Dean Lowry got his head caved in with yep. that first play. It's a run play. Um, he's just scrappy with Jair on the play. And it's like, okay. I see how it's going to go. And then the next two plays just PBUs from Jair to, to Greg Davis. And it's like, why, why are these guys flexing? I understand they just won a football game, but like Jair handled them pretty well. Greg Davis mm-hmm. had 35 yards. Diggs had less than 50 yards. If you take away the long one um, on eight targets. So I don't know. I didn't get that. Josh Allen. We got a little bit of uh, Wyoming, Josh Allen. Was, yeah, he had some mess ups. Like that's those, the rustiest I've seen him since probably his second year in the league. Both of the both of those picks in the second half were definitely young Josh Allen showing up again. Uh, the one the one throwing back across his body over the middle that that Douglas picked off was a bad 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 decision. Um, and then I mean even the, even the one in the red zone that he threw to Jair was just a, a terrible throw. He should have spiked that one in the turf and. Um, the people yeah, who the... want to do the moral victories thing today, and they're like, mm. if no. three things would have gotten closer, and then no. we would have been in the game. They don't talk about the goal line interception <laughs> that right. Buffalo right. probably should have had another <laughs> score on. So I don't yeah. know. Look, yeah, they they Pack, Packers don't get OPI on on Tunyon. Okay, there that's a touchdown for Green Bay, but then yeah, that that goal line interception, those things I think balance out pretty good. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think um, the refs were bad in this game. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say it was all against the Packers. It probably leans against the Packers, but, like, there was um, that sack on the sc- the first scoring drive that the Packers had that got nullified because of illegal hands to the face. That was really, really, really ticky-tacky, and I don't think impacted the sack at all. Like, Oh, no. I don't think that made any difference. So, like... We got some lucky breaks too. Like yep. we didn't get all of them. Certainly didn't do that. But I just think that was kind of a bad, bad ref crew. I didn't think that they were any good. Um, yeah. I guess uh, let's get into vibe checks. Um, we'll see you guys after the break. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place. 
to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24/7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. All right. Offensively. I'm not that mad about the offense. And I know yeah. people were mad about them going slow down 17. You got a bunch of 22-year-old wide receivers out there. Yeah. You can't really go. F- I mean, we saw them end of game try to do um, hurry up offense, right? Look how sloppy that looked. They had two mm-hmm. plays in a row where they didn't go out of bounds. They took it down to the warning. And then after that, I mean, it's just chit-chat, chit-chat, chit-chat. I guess we're going to have to like quickly do the uh, like Chinese fire drill thing and like get the kicker <laughs> on the field so that we can, we can um, a- attempt a field goal and then try to get an onside kick and stuff like that. But they're still trying to throw over the middle of the field on like that third down to set that up. I, I'm not mad about the situation. Like this is, this offense is not built to come from behind period. And they get themselves into the situation too much. And I'm not saying like, oh, if you go down ever in the game, it's just over. But 17 points is a whole lot different than a one-score game. Um, I just don't like what LaFleur said after the game, though. Yeah, That really worries me. Him talking about the run-pass bounce, like, dude, we're getting seven yards of carry. I do not care. I don't care. Keep running the ball. That was yep. fine. Keep using Deguara. That was a good sign. If Aaron Rodgers can now, if 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 he was in the gun, and I thought he was going to be in, if you would have told me he was going to be in the gun the entire game, I think this game looks totally different. They're probably blown out of the water even more than they were they were today. Um, Because I don't think their passing game is that good. I really don't, especially in the gun. That's the other thing that's kind of an issue for this team too. They're built to be an under center team. They really are. I mean, they had Sammy Watkins doing the insert stuff that Alan Lazard would have done if he didn't have a banged up shoulder, right? Like, yeah, this team is the, the way that their receivers are built. They have long, strong guys who are not necessarily that fast. Why would you want to be in the gun all the time? That's why I don't think some of these guys who are like trade candidates really make sense. Or even like Toure, I'd be interested in seeing we're getting to put the horse in front of the or the cart in front of the horse here. But, like, let's say Toure develops into a pretty good pass catcher. Is he just a third down guy? I don't know yeah. if he plays first and second down because of his size and, like, what they do in the run game. Remember last year at the deadline, 
they were talking to OBJ. They were basically telling OBJ, like, you're a one-down player for us in our system. Kind of the truth, man. Like, that's how these teams are built. Right. Yeah, and and Toure is built very similarly to to him, right? Like, Mm -hmm. six foot, buck 95-ish. So, right, what's he going to give you on those those early downs? I mean, I keep coming back to... The only small guy is is Cobb in terms of weight, right? Because even Amari at least up until before this year was like 200 something. He was like probably 210 last year. Um, yeah. I think so, they listed him coming out of the draft at like 215. And I think, I, yeah. I think I remember he was down to like 205 in camp or something this year. So I mean, he's still 200 plus. Yeah. So, he's so still that's that guy. And cop, they basically just use on third downs. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's worth having that question. I know I wrote a thing on APC this past week about like wide receivers to watch first three rounds of the draft for this upcoming uh, draft class and people in the comments were pretty bad. And they're like, we understand <laughs> like that this is the thing that LaFleur does, but it's kind of frustrating and it definitely hurts them when Rogers can't go under center, right? Like when Rogers yeah. can't go into the center, he's in gun. You have those wide receivers lined up out wide. Like you want faster guys in that situation, <sighs> but that's not the team that they are. That's not how they want to build their team. You can't be good at everything. So Am, I understand choosing, picking and choosing. Am I am I crazy for like wondering what does this team look like with like Michael Pittman or T. Higgins as that pick in 2020 yeah. instead of Jordan Love? Higgins would have been a great like, fit. Both of those guys, like yeah. it, the the size, the the length. It just, oh man, sorry. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the offensive line is solid. I think Tom still struggled a little bit. I'd like to get sure. more of a look on him from the all 22. Cause I wasn't fixated on him after the first couple of drives, but the first couple of drives were ugly. I was in the APC slack. I think even before uh, I think he gave up a sack or gave up a couple of pressures. And I was like, dude, he's getting his butt kicked right now. And then yep. lo and behold, he gives up one. Um, I'm, not, I'm at like a six with the offense. Like I, I like that they went back under center I like that they ran the hell out of the football. I understand the wide receiver position or the the wide receiver situation. I the just wa- worry about the the floor comments. Yeah, the the Watson thing. I think they, yeah. like you said, the scheming up a you know four or five six plays for him in this game and and intending to use him as a weapon and not having that you know definitely I think really was a was a factor. But I loved what I saw of the running game and so. You know, that that alone, if 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 they would commit, right? Like it's it's those LaFleur comments. If you yeah. commit to uh to doing that and and after seeing what they did to a, a really good running defense this week, um if they commit to that in Detroit next week, they should be should be knocking wood in, in pretty good shape. I just don't understand his line of thinking. I don't want to keep going yeah. back to this, but I don't understand the line of thinking. We've seen this team for the past two weeks struggle extremely hard to move the football in the gun, and they just basically get reduced down to an RPO team, right? And now you want more run-pass balance. You want run solutions. I'm starting I'm, – we're coining the term run pollutions. Um <laughs> Run the damn ball. Stop throwing it. Stop stop throwing these slants and bubbles. I just don't get it. Like you've seen felt, what it looks like yeah. when the run pass balance is 
closer to one to one. Like this was it felt different today than it did the last like two, three games. It and and in a good way, right? Like it just it just felt different and and you saw ripping off six, seven yards of carry. Um on plays that sometimes weren't blocked up super well. Aaron Jones was just making plays and it's like Mm -hmm. keep giving him keep giving him the rock. He he's he's got to be leading the 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 league in yards over expected at this point, right? Like he has to. He has he's to. got to. Yeah. And and Dylan had a couple in this game too, where it looked like he should have been stopped, you know, a yard deep in the backfield, and he found a way to get three four yards out of it. So these guys run hard. Also, can we mention that like Dylan came out of the game with like a weird leg yeah thing at one point in the third quarter, and was back on the field the very next drive. Um, and, and didn't, didn't really seem to miss a beat. So that was, uh, that was a nice little, little moment for him. And to see him come back quick was, was good. So, um, you know, kudos to AJ for, for getting back out there. Yeah. If he has to miss Wednesday practice for that, I wouldn't be surprised that that was a play that like, it didn't look like anything structurally was, was wrong, but yeah, his body got bent to its limits (laughs) is what it really seemed like. Yeah, definitely not fun. I I don't think he would have come back on the same drive um, because I know that was at the end of one of the drives. Defensively, um, there were some injuries at the inside linebacker that it's kind of hard to know. Yeah, I I saw something that that Allen was pressured on like forty two percent of dropbacks or something, which was like the highest mark of the season, and it it did feel like the Packers were getting penetration off the edges. Just again, the, the same old story. They just couldn't quite get home and, and couldn't find a way to get him. And he, he did a great job navigating the pressure, but it, it did feel like at least the edges, Gary, you know, even Preston a little bit were were getting in the backfield and, and forcing him to, to improvise a little bit. So that gives me at least a little bit of optimism for, for moving forward here. Yeah. And I think, Enic Barr is definitely developing. They've yeah. been doing a really interesting thing with their fourth pass rusher spot in recent weeks, right? Obviously, Tipa went on IR. He hadn't, I believe, he hadn't played defense at all yep. this season. Um, but usually that next guy is Jonathan Garvin. And honestly, he was probably the third outside linebacker to start the season. Um, Jonathan Garvin's been a healthy scratch in back-to-back weeks, which maybe, maybe he's on the chopping block. He was the guy that you and I talked about throughout the summer where we're like, Really what does he do? This guy. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't get it. Um obviously, you know, he was a what was he? He was a 2020 six round pick, so he has that going for him, but I've never really seen it with him. Um they activated Kobe Jones today. I don't know how much Jones was out there on the field. Um I can't remember seeing him that much. So like Enic Barre has been kind of ha- handling that whole like off the bench pass rusher situation and I like that he's getting reps because he was a guy, you know, people projected him as kind of like a second, third round pick. They ended up picking him in like the fifth round. Um, not super athletic, right? Like there were a couple times he gets in the backfield with Josh Allen, gets a pressure that Josh Allen's able to beat him to the edge. It's just going to happen. Yep. Josh Allen's going to be faster than some of the pass rushers in this league. That happens. Um, I don't really know what they could have done with that, right? Like they could have spied him more, but like, I don't know. Are they good enough in coverage to afford to to have the luxury yeah. of actually being able to spy him. I know it's frustrating when he gets out on the edge and he either runs for 15 yards and there's just no one there to stop him. And that gets frustrating or 
he runs and he's like holding the ball, pump faking. A guy comes after him and it just opens up a guy wide open downfield. That kind of sucks, but that's just life when you're playing against Josh Allen. You just hope, you know, a couple times a game he's going to throw you the ball. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's been very encouraging what we've seen out of anybody the last couple of weeks. I mean, he had two sacks in the last two weeks coming into this game. And I mean, he was, he was definitely active in the backfield and um, that's, that's, that's what you're looking for out of a, a rookie pass rusher. So I, I think at least as a third rotational guy, that's a, yeah, that's we're, we're certainly seeing positive signs out of him, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll see where he, his trajectory takes him from here. But yeah, the, the Kobe Jones thing, the, the Jonathan Garvin thing, you know, bringing in Jones and Hamilton the last couple of weeks, um, that'll be something to look on or to look, look into in the next couple of weeks, because we talked about that, that depth at the edge being an issue all the way going back, you know, into the preseason and, and even beyond that and, and thinking that this team needed some additional depth in the draft and, and the fact that they waited to the fifth round to actually address that was something that we were concerned about from the beginning. Yeah. I want, I want discourse about Darnell Savage. <laughs> yeah, he is, it's, he's it's never time. gotten better. I don't it's think time. he has the fifth round. I mean, that's a guy. I don't want to sound like Chris Collinsworth. That's a guy. Um, if you could trade him, and you don't oh. have to deal with the fifth year option. If if you can trade him and not give up a pick to have to unload him at this point, are we sure it? he's better than Rudy Ford? Like, like I'm, can, I'm not a hundred percent sure. When was the last time Darnell Savage made an open field tackle? That was tough, and Adrian Amos had one too, where he, he was had, just he had a rough shimming. one or two. Yeah, um, but. I think we're firmly in the safety market in this upcoming off season. And I just don't think Savage warrants that option. So like, if you want to, I mean, we, we saw this at the end of McCarthy era, right. Or they traded off. Who is it? Ha ha. I'm pretty sure it was ha ha yep. to Washington. Yep. Why couldn't we do the same thing? Cause that saves mm-hmm. him some cap space and you can't get rid of him in the off season. And I don't think he's an above average starter. Like that was a mistake. Let's try to rectify the mistake. We were hoping this guy would develop into something. The way the safeties play, those safeties don't have to play in the nickel. I think he's probably a better nickel than he would be a safety, um, even though, you know, he has tackling questions. But I don't know. I'm I'm just yeah. looking at – yeah, it's it's weird because even though they're three and five, they still have like one foot in either side of the door, right, where it's like – It's, it's because the NFC – yeah, it's because yeah. the NFC is still just such crap this year that yeah. – you know, three and four or three and five might be leading the NFC South at this point. And this isn't, which is pretty damning. This isn't a death sentence for the Packers that they're three and five. 538 yeah. still has them with a 17% chance to make the playoffs, even though they estimate that their win loss will be seven and 10 this year. They have them from a power ranking standpoint ahead of the six and two Giants, the five and three Jets. The four and four commanders; those are all teams above uh, at five hundred or better um, that have beaten us in the last that have three beaten weeks. Us, yes, that have beaten us, and the four and four Falcons. So those are all teams oh. in the NFC. I think I looked it up, or or someone. I think it was PFF Mo tweeted out last week where, in like seventy two percent of their projections, um, 
the NFC East ends up getting three playoff spots, right? And we're at the point where Minnesota's almost locked up the NFC North yeah. at this point. It's it's going to be pretty tough to take that from them, um, even with another head-to-head. Right. There's basically one wild card spot that's open for a team, you know, a second team coming out of the West, the South, or the North, right? Oof. And that's that's I guess what you who do we think? So the South is a mess. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know who competes there. The West is a mess, but I'm kind of confident like in the Niners. Ni- ni- Niners feel like they're going to win that win that division. Yeah. So we're so it's like a situation where like who are we fighting for that last spot? Is it Rams? So, yeah, the Rams I just I legit don't think the Rams are good. No, I, I agree. I think the Rams are a worse football team than us, but I do think they're going to be kind of in that mix and Yep. At the very least, people are going to talk about them being in the mix. Right. And then it's like, what if the Falcons win the South and then the Buccaneers are in the mix? I Yeah. The Packers yeah, that... can't get the seventh seed. It's not going to be pretty. I'd almost rather have the extra week off of work and not having to cover stuff on game days. But I mean, look, look, if the Packers make it as the seventh seed, they're going to go up against like the Cowboys Minnesota or some good football team. Yeah. If, if, you know, Philly looks like a good bet to be the number one seed, maybe Minnesota's the two at this rate, the way that that things are going um, as the second best division winner. So you're looking at Packers, Minnesota at us bank in the wild card around. I don't feel great about that. I just made the mistake of forgetting that you can't be the two seed. If you're the second team in the East, (laughs) um, yeah, so I guess it would be Minnesota. I mean, I don't even think Minnesota. Maybe the Niners, the though. Team. Maybe maybe it's yeah. the Niners, and then that's the, Niners got to get healthy. Though. A, I mean, that's what's killing yeah. them is yeah, they they were a team led by their defense, and their defense is just so banged up. Um, defense, I think I'm going to go from a vibe check standpoint. Give me a five. Uh, yeah, know. just yeah, give me a five, and we'll move on. It's just that was a weird game. <laughs> I hope at some point they can stop a run game this year. Yep. Their defensive ends are not good enough. I'm, I'd be way more in terms of adding bodies to the mix. I, I don't think they're going to add another pass rusher um, as like an edge rusher, right? I think if they do anything like that, it'll be like a Whitney Merciless type of situation. It's going to be some guy in their 30s trying to – I mean, the Packers need to win to even recruit any of these guys, but trying to chase a ring or yeah. something like that and maybe – you know, comes in for cheap. I think the one interesting thing is like, I don't know, are there defensive linemen on the market? Make some calls about defensive linemen because that's really yeah. where I think you can get a lot better on this roster. They they mentioned on reporting is eligible last week, Matt Ionitis from Carolina, and that's maybe like one name that I mean, make a call. Carolina's not going yeah. anywhere. Give yeah. them a call. What the hell? Yeah. Um, special teams thought they did good. Still yeah, think Versace's unit is the best. Um, hopefully, Versace doesn't take a head coaching job. I mean, if the Packers do bad enough, maybe oh, he won't. Uh, Jack Coco, just you know, snap, yeah. snap straight. Other that, that's, I mean, that's the only, really, the only issue in this game. I think. Where are you at with? So this was this was brought up in game. I can't remember if it was a tweet or if it was an APC Slack, but someone was like. They're going to end up – oh, I think I tweeted out a poll, and it was like, is Joe Barry going to get canned? Which I think at this rate, I think it's – if they keep playing like this, it's a certainty. You, you yep. can't just keep doing this again. 
second team in the NFL in terms of defensive cash flow, and that's not including two first-round picks um, who are rookies, and everyone on the defense is basically a first-round pick, right? Yep. Um, they Someone said, you know, they're going to replace both coordinators at the end of the year. I don't I don't think they're going to get rid of Stenovich. Even, yep. I mean, one, Matt LaFleur is calling plays, right? right. And two, Stenovich is like basically a extremely well-paid offensive line coach. Um, do you still want that guy in the room? So I don't, yeah, I don't get that at all. I don't, I don't think Stenovich is on any sort of a hot seat. No, I, I completely agree. I think if, if, if the trajectory that this team is on continues for, you know, the last nine games of this season, Barry's gone and, and you see a couple of the, the position coaches on defense shake up, you know, maybe, Maybe you shake up one or two coaches on the offensive side, but no, I, I I'm with you 100. percent I don't think Stenovich's job is in jeopardy at any point at this point. So next week, Detroit Lions Packers are three and a half point favorites. The I, Lions can't win a can, football game, but everyone says they're better than their record. Do do the Packers deserve to be three and a half point favorites on the road against Detroit? So the thing with Detroit is their defense is bad tears worse than ours. Yeah. I mean, yeah. their defense is, yeah. Let me look at NEA value. They are the worst in the league right now um, cool. by more than a hundred yards. Basically, like if you think of, if you think of the NFL in like sections of five to get into that bottom fifth is around like minus two fifty yards versus average. Detroit is at minus 563 so they're almost twice as bad as to qualify into the bottom fifth of the league and all of that is relative to average um for reference packers are minus 22 so we're talking about a defense that is tears and tears and tears worse than the packers um they can score points though i mean that's the thing is the packers are gonna have to score points to beat this Lions team because if it's another 17 point performance I don't know if they win that. They got to score 28. Yeah. They have to. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I I'm looking at DVOA too. Same same deal though. This is this is before this week's games, but Packers were 25th overall, but they had the 11th ranked pass DVOA and were 31st against the run because of course. Uh Lions are in the bottom 4 in both rushing and passing DVOA against for the defense. They're bad. And if there's if there's a time to get this offense right, it's next Sunday in Detroit. And one thing that's going to be interesting too, Detroit from a schematic standpoint, they don't they're not good at man coverage, but they play a lot of it. They play a lot of it. So if you know LaFleur is all worried about can we run against blitz fronts and stuff like that, maybe this is the game that you air it out. And I think yeah. that kind of goes in your favor, honestly. If you want to get into a shootout with Jared Goff, like be my guest. Yep. Yeah. Hopefully Watson will be back and next week. Hopefully he'll get through the concussion protocol this week and and maybe you can actually get him on a few of those hopefully those man beaters that that you maybe had in the playbook this week for him against Buffalo. And Sammy was getting looked at on the sideline too, right? In this game. Um, I think towards the end yeah. of the game. They were yeah. they were giving him looks. So yeah, keep an eye out for that. I mean it's just going to be the entire year. It's just like injury updates on wide receiver and offensive line. Like we're just not going to be able to escape it. Um, uh, hopefully Devondre is okay too. Cause that again would be a yeah. pretty big deal. 
Oh boy. Um, double digit losses. Just a couple of things to talk about here. Mm. So the Packers overall, they're they're uh two out of eleven on fourth down. It's not a, that's not a good sign. Double digit losses. The Packers um have tied their most double digit losses in a season with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback ever. So that's 2014, 2016, 2018. It's only week eight. Um, a lot of people kind of bring up, I've seen this narrative out and I get it. Fans want to be optimistic and stuff. Um, but people bring up like 2010 and they're like, in 2010, the Packers had a bad record and they still ended up going to a Super Bowl. Why is that? Yeah, but they didn't lose a game by more than a touchdown in that one of the almost that entire game. One of the fundamental things in my thought of evaluating teams off of wins and losses is you have to get just slightly more granule and look at it. Was it a close game or not? Close games are essentially toss-ups. One play can legitimately swing that multiple scores is where you get like true wins and losses. Right. So that's kind of what separates themselves from the pack. I think, you know, you, you look at um, from a year to year standpoint, right. One of the things that I do, I bet on season long totals, a really good way to like win 70% of, of your season long uh, win totals is by just basically fading and, and um, buying into teams that either have lost a lot of close games the year before or won a lot of close games the year before, because it impacts how they're scheduled. And they're, they're basically having to ask um, to fight outside of their weight class. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't remember when it was, but it was sometime in the last like four or five years that I distinctly remember an article that you wrote for another site talking about Dallas being like grossly, um, I mean, like, was it like eight and one in one score games one year? Maybe it was the 2016 year when the Packers beat him in the playoffs or something. And then they ended up, you know, regressing massively the next year. So, um, yeah, I know that's, that's been a thing that you've been on for for a long time now and uh um, it's really important I mean, it's, and I it's always really worn itself out yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's it's really consistent it's really yep. consistent teams that and it was always funny because you can look at i did it with college football too and it's like you look at the teams at the top of college football in terms of winning blowouts right or, or multi-score games right top of the list is like alabama ohio state you go to the top at close games and it's like Wyoming, Nevada. Like it's just totally random. That stuff yeah. never sticks. It's it's a coin flip always. It's just close games. Weird things happen. Yeah. Um, so that's that's my big spiel on you know, people kind of looking and hoping that there's gonna be some sort of run around the corner. I mean, Rogers even gets asked about these questions too. Where they're like, When are you gonna give the big speech? When are you gonna, <laughs> when are you gonna give this big speech? And it's like Dude, I don't know if it's coming this year. Like, it just might not be it. Like, I'm sorry, uh, but I'm not mad. I'm going to keep watching the games. I'm not rooting for this team to fail. Trust me. It's frustrating watching these games. But, yeah, it's just kind of odd. Yeah, I mean, my my approach at this point is I'm going to drink some scotch during the games. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to drink good whiskey because life's too short to drink bad liquor. And, uh We'll just see what happens. Go, Pat, go. Yeah. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. 
Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.